0: Hello everybody, welcome back to Optional Opinion. I'm your host, ADV. Thank you guys for joining me. It is the last week of the Beauty of Video Games. And as you can see, this week we focus on the main topic, the art of the character. Joining me, again, is the one, the only. You guys listened to him last year, he gave the eulogy. He is a podcaster of many things. He is a writer, a gamer, a storyteller. He has so many great projects and podcasts that you guys need to listen to. Everybody, please welcome Eric Hunter.
1: Hey, hey. Thanks for having me back, Eddie.
0: Thank you for coming back on. Thank you for answering my questions. (laughs) No
1: worries. Good times. I'm excited.
0: Yes. So if you guys... uh, haven't heard who eric is go listen to last year's the video video games episode uh the epilogue that um eric has delivered and get to know him and stuff and if you guys want to find out more from him you can check out his website erichunter.net, uh, hunter.net eric m i i missed the m uh we to, all do <laughs> to know more about him but we're going to get into this episode, So, I kind of want to ask Eric, uh, I've been focusing on characters we love and art forms that we love. And this week, focus on when both of them come together. Um, this modern mixture where now in this modern time, we have different art styles and characters who came out for them art styles. You know, we could look, well, not so much as Shovel Knight. But you know, if you look at you know Dante from DMC Devil May Cry, that kind of cel shade, anime comic book art style on like that new look and stuff, like it's a great character design with a great art style for that world. So um, I want to ask you, what did you what did you find beautiful in art? What did you find beautiful in characters?
1: Uh, I've always been prone to pixel art I guess for the most part I feel like as modern as gaming is becoming and as realistic as gaming is becoming that pixel art that you know that eight bit 16 bit look that style will always be timeless uh, it doesn't age like a lot of uh, 3d models and stuff do nowadays even games that came out maybe five or six years ago like that art and those those models still look silly and kind of muddy and where the sharp pixel pixel look will always be my favorite.
0: Okay, uh, do you uh, do you have any kind of favorites, uh, favorite characters um, that were born out of an art style?
1: Favorite characters born out of the art style, man. It's um, an excellent question. Let's see. So, if I had to pick one that I could go back to, it's probably going to be Link. Uh, from Wind Waker when they went Ooh. to that cell shaded look yes so and I and I remember so this would be so this was 2000-2001 uh, when they Nintendo was at the, was it the Space E3. Odyssey or it was, was E3. it E3 okay and they were kind of demoing what you know the quote unquote GameCube was going to be able to do and they had this very adult Link and this very adult Ganondorf and it was very edgy looking and you know sharp and like that and then suddenly Wind Waker comes out and it's you know it's cutesy it's a cartoon and as a kid let's see in 2001 i was 13 14 years old like i was immediately attracted to it because i love cartoons i love cartoons and i didn't think anything of it you know because to me it was just it was just a way to display you know better emotion in a character's face because you know the bigger eyes and the bigger mouth and that was what they concentrated on so that appealed to me seeing that kind of uh, character expression wasn't something you'd solve very very much, especially at that time, mm-hmm. because for some reason gaming was going through this weird um, kind of right where they focused less on the protagonist. Like they didn't want the protagonist to talk because they want they thought that if the protagonist didn't talk, then the gamer would see themselves in that person. It's like, I don't, I'm still driving around the streets of gta shooting people for crack and cocaine like that's not me like that's not i'll never think of myself as this character yeah like i want to know how this character is going to react you know and even though link was still quiet even now he still doesn't talk he's a mute character uh but seeing that emotion on his face was huge and then later years later when it was re-released in the hd version on the wii u i remember playing the game thinking like didn't the game always look this good like wasn't it always this crisp and always this clean uh, and it was the only reason I even bought a Wii U, was so I could play <laughs> Wind Waker HD. Oh, so there's, there's so
0: there's so many games on that system that you have to try. <laughs> I agree. So I, I know for me it was uh, Amaratsu from Okami. Um, yep, Seeing it's another good choice. Su- still, once again, another cel shaded game, but seeing that Sumi-e print, like, is very Japanese in those bold lines, and I was just like. Oh my goodness! This has never been done in this game. Like I always have a affinity and love for Japan, yeah. And I seen that, and I just seen an emotion, and my jaw dropped. I was just like, "What the world is this?" And why do I want it now? Like I hey. literally, when they when I found out pre-orders had started, I went to GameStop to pre-order this. Game. Yep.
1: Yeah, I did the same thing with Wind Waker. when it was announced. I went and pre-ordered it. Um, God, it would have been GameStop and EB Games maybe
0: No, it was GameStop
1: Was it GameStop? Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean it's that, that was back when pre-ordering a game was actually worth something Because you got um, those bonus discs That had all the Legend of Zelda games on it When you pre-ordered Wind Waker So I still have all of those uh,
0: if, I, if I was into pre-ordering At that time, I would have had it too <laughs> it sure Oh yeah, it. for sure So so we're gonna move on to the next part. Uh, actually, kind of like how uh, this all kicks off for this week, uh, when one needs the other to survive. Uh, sometimes you need a great art style in order to showcase a great character. Because so, I think sometimes when you do just regular three D, three D looking games, and you know they're all graphical and all detailed, it becomes like a like a little bit cliche and so yeah i can see that and and because you know if you look at gears of like if you look at gears of war everybody call them they're like tanks they got all of these muscles and you're thinking like well how can y'all roll like that and how can y'all just like run fast and stuff and y'all big as boulders you know it's kind of it's kind of weird so i kind of want to ask you uh why do you think uh Characters need a particular art to survive, like to appeal or to become one of people's favorites.
1: Um, I think it's all about recognition. I think um, Cuphead was a big on that. So uh, when they when Cuphead was first shown at E three, um, it was in this giant trailer of a thousand other games that Microsoft was putting out. You know, and yeah. it was like a fifteen second. But after that. It, that was the only talk after that conference was, what is this Cuphead game? like? It's got that old school art style to it, like the cartoons from back in the day. Like, What is this? Nobody knows what this is. And I feel like a lot of that is becoming more and more uh, apparent because there are more artists getting into game developing. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these games now, and some of these games aren't even really what the traditional sense of a game is defined of anymore. You know, like it's more of an art piece. Yes. And I feel like that attracts so many more people to the platform than any triple a top notch amazing written voice acted game mechanic game would ever bring is by appealing to somebody's art style first
0: yeah last week, I covered um f m v for a motion video, and I considered that as the art style, even though it's real life characters and stuff. But I'm just like, look at the look at the popularity of Night Trap, or the people who who know when you hear FMV, that comes to mind. Mm-hmm. It, it's Night Trap. Or if if you were around the Sega CD days, uh, you had to make my videos like with Chris Cross and Marky Mark, and Monkey right. Bunch, and stuff like that. Like that stuff, it, it, it was a character in itself. And this right. with this all art style because it was just like it's this cheesy acting, it's all this uh not high budget uh budget uh production. But if you like look at look at it now, you, you think of games like her story. And you root for the the uh the person who won that academy or not academy award, who won that award at the games of game awards and because it was done so well. Like, the performance so the FMV and so that game. So I I think sometimes when a game needs a great art style or a character needs a great art style, it is, like you said, recognition, you know. I I feel like it needs to appeal to the player to be... And if... Because we're going to be... We're looking for character development. We're going to be looking for uh, their emotions. And some people... Look for the voice acting, which is weird. Uh
1: um, well, yeah. I mean you get popular names, you know, who come in and, you know, showcase I mean I, I remember being kind of struck playing um uh what's the one that was was the one that oh, Elder Scrolls. Uh huh. When like the main king was um you know uh, um Patrick Stewart. You know, like that was like, Oh, what's Patrick Stewart doing in a video game? Like that's a strange thing. But
0: yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, the side Seriously, I just cannot get into. I. I, I yeah. I,
1: and I mean, maybe like five hours. I was like, I can't. I don't even know what I'm doing anymore. Like, I
0: just, <laughs> exactly.
1: I'm literally just going around breaking stuff and stealing stuff by accident. Like, and I home. played
0: that on the original Xbox. It so was just like, what is this nonsense?
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. So.
0: But, yeah, I... I uh, when, you, when you mentioned Wind Waker, it actually came to my mind of uh, Metroid Prime, a Samus. And uh, we love looking at Samus and her 16-bit, aid, 16-bit look from Super Metroid. But then it was just like you see the little things in Metroid Prime and how retro, even though, it, you know, the water effects on her suit um, seeing her eyes do the vision. It's yeah. like, it was just like, it's not the, the first person view, like Samus is not the character. It's the world. Yeah, it's because, the environment. Yep. Yeah, because I'm just like, seeing this art being done on a system that people kind of thought was underpowered was just like, how do they pull that off? And why, even now to this day, it still looks good? Right. Like, you know, I
1: think a lot of that, well, for me anyway, it's easy to say that because it pulls on my nostalgia.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, like it's it. It was one of those things that that game specifically was. You know, when when it was announced that it was a, it was going to be a first person shooter, like it lost half the community right there because they're like, "Well, this isn't Metroid. This isn't how Metroid's supposed to play." Which, who are we to say what one game should be played or what one style of a game it should be and what not? You know, and. I feel like cause even that's that that whole environment that the game the whole world the game takes place in, like it tells by having the the mechanic of being able to scan everything and read those stories, like I mean nowadays, like that is in a game that is how storytelling is done correctly, you know, for yeah. something like uh Dark Souls, like there is no storytelling in that game other than just these little tidbits of information you pick up along the way of different items or you know somebody's faction or something like that that's what tells the world that's what tells the story and that that type of storytelling is still untapped today I feel
0: it, it, it kind of reminds me of The Last Guardian that there is a story there but there's no dialogue or narrative that there's no there's no uh, narr- narrator I should say tell right. you what the story is you have to play the game to find out what's going on, and because of the relationship be- between uh, Trico and the little boy in the game, you, that kind of t- you know tells the story that a hey, you need they need each other in order to get through this world to find out what's going on, right? In
1: Which is kind of strange because it harkens back to. You know, the gaming from like the 80s and 90s, where Mm -hmm. they just physically didn't have the, the, they they were, they didn't have the limitations that they did today to tell those types of stories. So it's like, if you really wanted to know what was going on, you had to read the game manual, or you had to pick up a Nintendo Power, or you had to read some sort of supplement, uh, supplemental that wasn't even part of the original packaging to be, to figure out what was going on or who you were fighting. You know, it's, if, in a strange way, we're kind of coming back to that.
0: Yeah, if Ninja Gaiden on NES was, was to me, was the first cinematic storytelling experience. Yep. Because yeah. back in the day, it's just like, you beat a level, you go to the next area. You don't know what the story still is about. I mean, you read it in the manual, what the plot is, but right. there's nothing to fill in what's going on. Because you, as kids, you didn't think about that. You thought about, if I could beat through this level with all my lies and without no continues, I'm good to go.
1: Yeah, I get that high score, you know. Or you get something like Double Dragon where it's just some random guy coming up and punching a woman in the stuck stomach and then just taking her off the screen, you know? It's like that's my motivation. Okay. Strange.
0: Yeah. Like how do you end a construction level into uh the to wood? the forest,
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to, like I mean, you know, platforming. Just jumping <laughs> around.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Uh so, we're going to go to the next part. Uh, Nintendo does what others fear, presentation. And this deals with more... With Nintendo taking different art styles and applying it to their games. Um, we, you see Kirby uh, with... Uh, kind of bringing back Claymation, in a sense. You see uh, Yoshi with his... Uh, like, the Woody world. Even Yoshi's Epic Yarn. Um, you kind of see that uh, Pigman all how good it looks, like the like the fruit looks literally real in that game. And then right. you see in her ass that it's kind of clay. It's they're still using clay as their advertisement. But then you look at Pikmin Three and you just be like, How the heck did y'all get a garden to look this real? Like photorealistic. Um and it, it feels like in definitely in this time that a lot of developers and publishers won't bring up Profile game Unless it has a certain Look to it it's kind of like they Fear doing something outside the box So what do you think
1: Um I think a lot of people forget that Nintendo is a toy Company I mean that ever Mm -hmm. Since the late 1800s to now that's all they do Is they make toys like they're not in the gaming Industry like they're there to make toys That appeal to A very particular age group you know Like the majority of the games they, they Make are for kids You know, like it's they may be, you know, complicated storylines or or plot devices, you know, like they call an adult. They call like the Legend of Zelda an adult game, not because there's blood and gore or anything like that, but because it deals with a higher level of thinking that maybe a kid, you know, in terms of puzzles and stuff that a kid couldn't figure out. But I mean, at the end of the day, they're they're a toy company. And the first thing that attracts people to toys is the look and style of things. So I feel like. They focus on that much more uh, of just the appeal—the appeal of how something looks—rather than how real does it look, like a lot of other gaming companies do.
0: So, why do you think that when other companies do try a different art style, um, it doesn't work? It, there's a failure to it. Uh,
1: I mean, any anything could—you know—you it could be the fact that. You know, you're taking a graphic artist that has been hounded and scolded for years about making things look as realistic as as possible to turn around and make a distinct art style, which is, you know, that's like asking for five bucks and then getting turned down and then turning around asking for a million. Like, it just doesn't work. It doesn't make any sense. Um, I think they also worry about the end result and what the gaming community is going to think. Of you know we can't go we can't stray too far because we're afraid that we might alienate a part of our community or uh, we don't want to go too odd that it might just turn off the casual gamer. Yes. Um. Uh, no good.
0: Uh, because like um, last week I wrote um uh, like advancements to come and I was thinking about rotoscope and there's a game called Ghost Trick that Capcom did for the DS. But if you think of games like Out of This World and I think it's Flashpoint was like the mm-hmm. sequel to it, yeah. how they use Rotoscopy, um, that got completely ignored across the whole video game industry and the community. Yeah. And it's just like if if I think if people would have gave this they like gave Ghost Trick a try, or if more companies would at least try rotoscopy I think it would catch on and kind of be the new thing. And even though Nintendo hasn't tried it or anything, no other company has done it yet. And I kind of right. wish that wish that they did.
1: Well, what's strange now is like a lot of that stuff seems like it's it's indie, you know, like it's yes. just for indie games, you know? And that now too, like being tagged as an indie game could mean bad, you know? It could mean... Unfinished, it could be. It could be unpolished, and a AAA developer doesn't want a, that tag of indie on them, you know. Because yep. so taking well, those risks could be indie.
0: God forbid. Indie has kind of switched though. And speaking of switch, of Nintendo Switch, because when when indie's when indie now is getting uh, mentioned, everybody looks to see will it be on Switch first, right, before anything else. And if it is on Switch and it plays great, like, it gets a great buzz, indies are now kind of, indies can now make a little bit more money, get more exposure uh, over what it used to do on Steam. Or Absolutely. Even, or, or even, like, PlayStation Network or even Live. Like, yeah. now now you know with switch is like indie has a way now to come in and bring a nice presentation because uh i think it's planet alpha that just came out uh mm. it, it's a very beautiful game and it's it's by Indie developer and it's just like wow like the environment looks good the environment is distracting than the foreground, because it's, it's, it is a 2D game, but it's just like, it's one of those titles that you don't want to touch the controller. You just want to look at all the beautiful be- beautiful things that's happening in the background, right. and it doesn't move. And that's kind of how Nintendo is, in a sense. Uh, when Xenoblade Chronicles X came out for Wii U, you get into this world, and you just put the controller down, and you look at what's going on in this world and it's just like how is game doing this on a system like this
1: right it's a struggle
0: (laughs) (laughs) so i mean and i know you play a lot of pc like you like what do you feel in the pc era about presentation um do you think that uh definitely you know with With graphic cards and stuff like that could enhance the presentation do you think that there's a beauty that's there that's being missed
1: absolutely Um, and I also think it's because there's so much in the market right now that it's too easy to miss something so it's like you're kind of as a developer I would think you would be encouraged to go weird to go different Mm -hmm. uh, to try to find your own trend because there's so much same out there You know, and there's just some stuff that no matter how good you are doing it, you will never be good enough because you just don't have the marketing dollars or you don't have the advertising budget. And it's like, why not do something weird then? Like, why not try to do something and stick out? It may not work, but I mean, going the same way is just you're going to get into the same muddy waters that everybody else is in. You know,
0: Yeah, there's a game called Sable Uh that they showed at E three and it has kind of the cell shade and there's no, there's no action in it. You literally just go around and explore the world, but it, but the art style is just like it's, it, it's kind of and west it's western or desert in a sense, but it's like you see them black lines kind of everywhere, and it just looks, oh, okay. it looks really good in motion, and I was just like when they announced it at E3, they announced it at the PC conference. So I'm thinking it's just a PC game. And I literally was just like, this may be the first game that would make me want to do PC game because of this art, but it's coming to Xbox one. So now I, I'll say, <laughs>
1: right. <laughs> yeah. I'll just wait.
0: <laughs> so, uh, we're going to move, uh, move over. Um, uh, the makeover makes sense. And this, is talking about games that gets get a remake or a remaster. Um or like or, or a reimagine for some games. Um if you take a look at Semi's return or oh, how mm-hmm. that game was on the Game Boy compared to this new version that uh Mercury Systems uh did for the three D S. Um, right. do you think that is a it's great when characters and games get a reimagine. Uh, like I mentioned earlier DMC Devil May Cry um, how do you feel about that Do you find like that's kind of neat that they do it to give more of a presentation or a appeal to a game
1: absolutely um, I feel like there's maybe too many of them um, but I also think that it gives people a chance to play it that to play the game that they may have never been able to play it before because like a lot of these games they just don't really exist anymore in they of what they used to be you know like cartridges cartridges get lost and ruined and destroyed and uh, CD games you know have problems with disk rot so it's like if you really wanted to play something it's either you have to maybe do it you know illegally by using some sort of ROM or iOS or, or ISO or something like that or you have to wait for the developer to, you know, reimagine it or remake it. And so, I think it's good in that aspect that it allows more people to play the game. Um, I'm still the contender that if you're going to remake the game, then the original game has to be available somewhere. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like um, uh, what, what one of the um, Lucas Arts games got uh, re released, and inside that was the original version of like Maniac Mansion. Like, it should be like that, you know, like if you're going to remake a game uh, like Prince of Persia, like if you're going to remake Prince of Persia, like the original Prince of Persia should be in the game somewhere. Like just to give people the ability to experience what it used to be, um, because at one point or another in the future, you may not be able to anymore. You know, yeah, Um, there's a lot of times where I feel like the game gets dumbed down uh, or made easier which can maybe could possibly ruin the experience you have uh, that the original game was supposed to do. But then again, there's other things where uh, games, I think Metroid Returns is a perfect example of that, where the developer really wanted to do something specific, but they couldn't because of hardware limitations or um, not to do the George Lucas of like, oh, well, this is how it's always supposed to be meant. There's just supposed to be this giant walking lizard in the background. Like, no, there wasn't. <laughs> no, there wasn't. That was never supposed to be there. Like come on. You can't honestly say you were out in the middle of the desert and thought to yourself, Oh, this would be great if I had a giant lizard in the background. Uh so I think it's I think it's something that should be uh handled with care mm-hmm. um and not just you know, regurgitated when sales are low for that year, you know?
0: Yeah, I uh uh was not I think it was Spitzer. it's just when they showed that at E three, I was just like, What is this? Mm hmm. Is this yeah. a new Metroid Game? I was like, this is seven because eight 'cause I played the Game Boy of uh Game Boy version. And oh boys it's terrible. <laughs> You're right. It's it, a tough game. It's very and, tough.
1: And then did you ever uh, get to play um what was it? It's like AMR two, another yeah. Metroid. Yes. So I feel like again, you know, being the person who feels like these games should be available for everybody to play, regardless of what iteration. Like, I feel that Nintendo should have made, like, that version of the game and then made, you know, Metroid R- Returns is just something else. Like, it, like, give me whatever the Game Boy version is, but, you know, nicer graphics and better sound. But I don't want a whole 3D rendering with all these, you know... um story differences and different plot devices and I just want to be able to play, you know, this game on an HDTV. Like, I feel like at the end of the day, that's what matters is being able to play it on modern hardware.
0: Well, it's, 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 it's weird because Metroid when it got remade got became Zero Mission. Right. And that game is just fantastic. Like, that upgrade really just <laughs> kind of like outdid the original. Uh, right. Samus Returns, uh, I think because it was on a different platform, or the return to Samus, I should say. Uh, it was on a smaller platform that wasn't powerful, and the design was kind of confusing. And they brought it to Wii U for people to play it. No, 3DS, I'm sorry. They brought it to 3DS so people could get their hands on it and kind of understand it. And it, it's, it's just one of those weird things just like this Need this game needs to be fixed cuz you get you just get lost and it became yeah. uh, it's quite challenging because you don't know sometimes you don't know where to go or what to do there's no indication for things like
1: well and you have to you have to think like what i i mean i'm all for quality of life stuff like especially yes. with metroid uh, 2 like you needed a map of some yeah. sort, and even with the the original uh, matchboy with zero mission, like you need a map. Like this game is, it's not big. This world isn't big, but it's big. It's easy enough to get lost in. So it's like you need a map of some sort. Like that makes sense. But then, like what what are you ex- trying to do? I as a developer, it's like okay, we're going to take this game, we're going to remake it, and we're going to reimagine it, and we're going to make it so that you know. And it can get more people's hands. So it's like, okay, obviously, let's fix what needs to be fixed. We can do better graphics, better sound, fine. Like, all right, quality of life stuff. Like, all right, let's put a map in here and let's put some more power-ups. You know, let's fix the, uh, you know, the enemy arc, that kind of thing. But then, I mean, what more did you want to do? Do you know what I mean? Because I feel like some companies, when they do that stuff, it's like, oh, let's cram it full of a bunch of other things that we think is cool. And it's like, to what ends? like you're just gonna this this game's only gonna be considered a remake like why would you add all this extra stuff? you know what I mean like that
0: I think some people do it some developers do it to appeal to the modern time or to the time of this game coming up because when you're when you're a person who's not playing other who's not who hasn't played past games or has been given a past game or find any interest you you might not know all about that stuff and you and right. sometimes like like me and you we have to talk to younger people or people who who know about the who know about the series but not but has never ch- tried this stuff we have to bring them to the foundation of the past games and they're not going to like those mechanics cuz they're accustomed to what the mechanics of, of the present are
1: that's a good point yeah cuz i mean there's really no There's no winning that argument, you know, because once you get to a point where you get used to something, if you try to go back and do it again, it's it's kind of a similar situation of when they when. um, ah, Shoot, I can't remember the developer, but they were wanting to make a first person competitive shooter, much like Call of Duty or something like that, but without the aim assist using a controller. And the first complaint they got was, well, this the controls are bad. And it's like, no, you're bad. Like, this is how this works. Like, this is how mouse and keyboard works if it's, you know, perfectly transcribed to a gamepad without any sort of aiming assist. And it's like, okay, we can't do that. Like, then then where's the fun factor? You know, like, you can only fail so many times before, as a gamer, you just put the game down and move on to something else. And again, you know, what we just talked about with there being so many games to choose from, like, that's the last thing you want to do. So it's like, you kind of have to, I guess, in a way, give those, make it a little bit more than it should be.
0: Right. Because like if you if you look at Doom, and you play like the original version, good luck with that. <laughs> right. Because you had to get into the site and there's no reticle there. You you had to get there and put fifteen thousand bullets into them and hope that you could find a health pack somewhere right. hidden around the map. So when you play the new Doom, it's it's easier because there's a reticle that's there only thing you really don't have is um, letting your energy charge back or a shield thing you have to work for that you have to kill them and get it uh, to get your energy and stuff uh, up to survive so I I could see what I could see where' you're, where you're going at with this I, I just think that with when people find sometimes like a remaster or a reimagination, when they feel fall in love with the game and stuff, I I agree with you. I think a lot to me personally, a lot of people need to go back to the foundation of a series of where it start. You love Wind Waker, great. Go play the go play the original Legend of Zelda and do the same thing of exploring, finding out where everything is at. Do no FAQs. Do not ask for no friends' help. You're going to die. It's going right. to be hard, but this is what you need to understand: where, how it began, and how the series evolved. Now, I tell people, evolve, uh, uh skip Legend of Zelda <laughs> two. Ah, come on,
1: it's the best one.
0: Oh no, <laughs> that hit detection. <laughs> oh, it's low, pretty bad. It yeah, is,
1: but. But it did show that they were trying to expand on one of the things that the first one couldn't do, which was true sword fighting. Like yes. they really wanted to make a complex fighting system. And it's not good, but it's I mean, it, it's more than anything that was on the market at that time.
0: Yes, I, I do agree. Uh, I, now, I might get yelled at this and people have heard this about me, but I I make, I'm make i making a claim that I won't wait for it to remake Super Metroid. I think Super Metroid needs a remake badly. And I, I know a lot of people feel like it's a classic that doesn't need to be touched. But right now, mm. it does need to be touched. I'm like, because it's great playing it for the first time and kind of understanding the Metroidvania of things, if you want to call it that. But I'm just like, there's a point in that game that is kind of reverse, And I think way forward, because they're good. I think they're, you know, DuckTales is a great remake. It's yeah. hard. They kept to what, <laughs> I mean, they kept to what Capcom normally used to do back in the day. So that's why that game is that way. Uh, but I would like to see way for it with with their great art. Go into that world and make it more detailed and make it creepy as ever.
1: Turn into a horror game.
0: Yes, that yeah. that really fight in the in a uh, in a space station. Oh, they could make that deadly.
1: Oh yeah, I mean that game opens up on a death scene with a bunch of dead bodies on the floor. Like yes. That's what blows my mind. It's like, oh, Nintendo doesn't make mature games. Like, that's terrifying. It doesn't matter how old you are. Just like, oh, op- the opening scene to the game is just, a, is, is just a floor littered with dead bodies. Like,
0: yes. That's and, messed up. And it don't even have to be sprite based. It's just the graphics just need to be cleaner. There, there's yeah. a style that fits it. I just don't know what it is. But I would love to see, instead of really when you see the red eye looking at Samus, I would love to see two red eyes looking down on Samus with hands coming out. Oh, and man. Then a fight, and and it'd be creepy as ever. And you just be like, oh, Rayford gets this, and they know where to go. Oh, don't, don't worry. Nintendo is going to direct Rayford on what to do.
1: Sure. Yeah, so, no, that's a great idea. I'd love to play that game.
0: Uh, I would love, yes. Uh, Metroid has a survival, here. Oh, survival horror game. I've
1: I mean, it's pretty close. It's it's if she didn't get as overpowered as she does in the game, that's uh, exactly what it would be. I mean, it would be a one hit kill kind of game.
0: Ooh, that needs to be a mode. I would be like a survival
1: mode. mode. Yes. Yeah. So. For super players.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, uh, which actually is kind of it's kind of funny that we talked about foundation and stuff. Um, love with the present because of the beautiful past and. This is kind of talking about games that, uh, when we f- when we love a character that has had a historic series like Lara Croft, we loved her from Tomb Raider, and even though her her history as a character has been up and down, you know her being on the cover of EGM, her being in Playboy, um, right. her having some good games on the PS One, and then a whole bunch of failure. And stuff, it's too like this, even to the reboot of Tomb Raider selling good, but not being, uh, not making Square Enix happy because of the sales. But people yeah. are loving that game and stuff. Like, her, she has started off with a great past, um, uh, to her present. And there's, there's something kind of beautiful about characters that do that. So, uh, do you, do you, do you have a series that has had, um, or a character that has had a up a, a roller coaster of, of of a historic games? You know.
1: Oh, easy, Sonic, Sonic the Hedgehog.
0: Ooh, yes.
1: <laughs> I mean, that's when I was, um, uh, me and my brother. I have an older brother. We were at the, we were that perfect age. We were that ta- that target audience for when you know Genesis does, when Nintendo don't. like mm. that was. Huge for us, the attitude era, like we we fed into that, you know we were that perfect target audience, so uh Sonic the Hedgehog was a huge staple in my childhood, and then when the Dreamcast came out, like playing Sonic Adventure at Blockbuster for the first time before the console was out, like that's what sold that console to me, you know that first stage of Sonic like this is how Sonic's supposed to be, and then you play the game, and you're like, oh, this probably isn't how Sonic should be, this is not you know not very good, <laughs> and then you know as time went on and then sega just dies as a hardware company and you're left wondering well, what are they going to do with all these assets and now there's sega games on nintendo consoles and microsoft has has got their games on xbox and it's like what the hell is going on and you see this gradual death of that franchise of regardless of how fanatic you know, the fans are, those games are not good. You know, the, they're so hit or miss. And what brings the character back from the depths of its own hell that it's created is the idea of taking a fan, somebody who makes fan games to make a legit side scrolling game of Sonic Mania. And that's the boom of literally going back and pulling from the past and feeding the nostalgia of a fan base by k- taking a literal fan to make the game like that I mean that is your Cinderella story you know
0: <laughs> uh, but still having your failure with uh, Sonic Forces not failure having just not uh, very Marty good success.
1: Yes. just not very good
0: <laughs> like, you know it, it 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 was kind of it's good that you mentioned Sonic because and I agree with you five hundred percent looking at Sonic it's just like you had success on that handheld at one point and not on console
1: right
0: and you it's one of those series that he's going in the right direction, but the execution is off
1: <laughs> oh yeah, I mean it's 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 amazing to see i mean. In, in my sense, anyway. And obviously, I, I don't know. I don't run a business or anything like that. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't make games. But seeing the the absolute failure of Sonic from the past, what, 20 years? Yes. And what would even compel them to make another game? You know? It's like, look, Sonic doesn't work. Let's move on to something else. But
0: because eh, we're going to keep so-
1: pounding on this. and see, We're going to keep hitting this dead horse and see if we can get something out of because
0: it. Because Sonic has a community. And it's, it's true. because of Sonic himself. The character is so... It's so, it's so important to a lot of people and kind of important to the video game industry because of his rival with Mario yeah, um, and them coming together, finally doing the Mario and Olympics. And I don't care what anybody said. of the sales number is there, the sales numbers is there. Whether you, the game was good or bad. That game sold a ton.
1: It sold, it, and at the end of the day, that's what matters. You know, it's all about profit. Everybody's in this for money, and they're not doing it for fun. So yes,
0: and I, I and I think it's just some people. You have to, to me, Presley. You have to grow up with the Sega Genesis games in order to understand Sonic. Like Sonic One is a beta to me. Sonic Two is the definitive version of what a Sonic game should be. Yep. Sonic and Knuckles, yeah if you want to take it that, uh, But if you play Sonic 2, you get all, you know, going through that bonus level, going through that corkscrew, playing casino, the casino stuff, spending yep. time in there, just like making sure that you got your 50 coins so when you get to the checkpoint, you go to the stars and doing... Like, you had various paths and stuff that led you to different places, but it was engaging as a game.
1: Yeah, like it was... You know, it was a pinnacle of its time. It was something that nobody was really doing. Like the concept came up from, "What if I could play Super Mario Brothers really fast?" Okay, yes. well now we have a game. You know, something that simple. Obviously, you can't do too much with it, but um, I feel, you know, again, it's you know those who, you know, forget the past or are doomed to repeat it, and I Sonic is a perfect atonement to that. You know, it it took a two D side scrolling Sonic game to people to kind of look up and say, hey, this is a really good Sonic game. I haven't said that in a long time. You know, it's one of the things I feel like Nintendo does well since the beginning is that um, a lot of the time their mythology is to create a game mechanic that they find interesting and then they build the game around it. You know, yes. because that is our interaction with the game is these game mechanics. And I feel that it's the same thing with Sonic if for Sonic 2, like that game mechanic was made perfect there. And then somebody went and tried to fix it or change it or they didn't think it was good enough. And it's like, no, this really is good enough. Like you could make a thousand of these and these games will sell because this is good enough.
0: Right. It it feels like when Sonic is in 3D, if it cannot feel like Mario 64 or even to, to me, Super Mario Sunshine, if it can't even feel like that that becomes a problem. And I know right. they want to include all these mechanics and stuff, but I'm just like, you got to give Sonic, you, you got to know what Sonic is. Um, if he is about speed, you have to give him a lane for speed because once you stop that, once you stop that flow of speed in that game, it ruins what that momentum is. Yeah. You know? Yep. Uh, Mortal Kombat is definitely another one. You know, Mortal Kombat took off with one, uh, two was kind of the definitive. Three, mm-hmm. you know, at, at had many versions, but that was good. And then you get to Mortal Kombat four.
1: Yeah, when it goes three D.
0: Yeah, and it falls off. It fell off completely. Yeah. Um, and then even when they brought it like Mortal Kombat five to five to eight. Like they tried to bring it back, and slowly it came back. But then nine happens; it went, kind of went back to its roots. It was imp- graphically impressive, uh, and they did some cool things. And it it kind of regained. It regained its some popularity back that it used to have. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Street Street Fighter, in a sense, it happened that way. You know, Street Fighter, the Alpha series was good. Street Fighter one was a beta. Street Fighter Two as many versions came out, it was like the definitive like mm-hmm. Super Street Fighter Turbo. Well not Super Street Fighter 2, uh, Turbo. Uh Street Fighter Two uh yeah, Street Fighter Two Turbo, that was huge on the Super Nintendo Arcade.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah, that was uh that was a staple in our household. Like that was that one for sure. And then when Super Street Fighter Two came out, mm-hmm. like that was I mean, we still went back because we love that turbo mode, but yeah, I mean it's um, Mega Man has a similar, you know, like
0: oh, yeah,
1: the, the 8-bit Mega Man's and then, you know, uh, Mega Man 5 and 6 where I enjoyed them just because I enjoyed Mega Man. But I definitely knew that it wasn't as good as 2 and 3. But, but then you're thinking like, God, what do you do with Mega Man after this? Like you feel like they're done. And then Mega Man X comes out and you're like, holy shit, like this is what you do with Mega Man. And <laughs> then. Heckly. You know, And then you got Mega Man X2 and X3, and you're like, all right, now we're getting into it. And then X4 happens, and then X5, and then X6, and then you, X7, you, and then X8. The me- like-
0: that one is weird because you moved the Mega Man games from Nintendo to the PlayStation. Yep. And man, I love Mega Man 8. Don't get me wrong. Love that game. Uh, The X stuff at the 3, yikes, is not good. X5 yeah. is good, though. I do like X5.
1: I enjoyed X5, yeah. yeah. Uh, but I mean, it's, you know, it's the it's it, and then there's all these weird crossover games with the what was it transmission or no network battle or yeah. battle network or something like that. And it's like it to me. And, and that's when you get into the, the the strange world of like, oh, we have this game idea and we think it's a good idea. And then somebody's like, ah, oh, let's slap a name on it. You know, kind of like Star Fox Adventures for the GameCube. It was like supposed to be this completely different game. And then Nintendo was like this isn't going to sell unless if we put a name on it and it's like oh now it's tied to this series. Wow, why would you do that? That game just is not. Good. Yeah.
0: It's average it's not good. at best. Controls...
1: It's average at best. Yes.
0: The controls are a miss. Yeah, the
1: fighting is the, the voice acting's terrible. It's just it's a bad game. It's But now it's a bad Star Fox game. It's not just a bad game anymore. It's a bad Star Fox game. Yes, which is even worse.
0: Yeah, Star Fox is a roller coaster of a series. Yep. And I, I will admit, I'm glad that Star Fox Two didn't come out. It, it wasn't good. Oh, for the
1: Super Nintendo. Yeah. It- How weird is that, though, that a Super Nintendo game came out a couple years ago? <laughs> it just blows right. my mind to think about that.
0: And it's not good.
1: Oh. Yeah. Yeah. That's what happens when you try to, you know. Sometimes it's okay to stick with the grind and just repeat the same thing over and over again.
0: Yeah, and uh, last but not least, the Halo series. Um, I, I, yep. I, I, the Halo series for Xbox has a roller coaster, and the Twisted Metal series for Sony is a roller coaster. That's like, a huge one. If, yeah, if you try to play Twisted Metal One nowadays. You would be like, "What in the world is this?"
1: (laughs) Yeah, yep. It's dark, and the graphics are muddy, and the hit detection's terrible, and
0: the controls are are horrid. Yeah, where something like Wipeout is like it doesn't get the praise enough. It's it it feels the the F Zero formula while while being itself. But Wipeout is a game that has been consistently good. Yeah. And if you played the first Wipeout game, whether you think it's, it's great or not, you cannot deny it. The soundtrack is awesome. Uh, The game is fast. It, it You can learn it with ease and continually take that skill and apply it to almost every game.
1: Yeah. Well, and I think it has the benefit of being a racing game, where it's, it's- like when the next iteration comes out and you're sitting around the table trying to think of things to do, it's like, well, we can always do new tracks. Like, oh, yeah. yeah I guess we could just do new tracks. Like, Everything else seems okay. Yeah. Whereas in with something like Mario or Mega Man, I mean, again, it, that would probably be okay. Like, I would be fine playing a Mega Man 2 game with new robot bosses and just keep Mega Man 2 the way it is or keep Mega Man 3 the way it is. You okay, don't need Rush to jump on his back and turn him into a, you know, with a jet suit or give him Hulkbuster armor or anything like that. Just, you know, give me my blue bomber and let me slide and spin around. and
0: Slide, slide. Yeah.
1: Uh-huh. I've... I have come around to that, thanks to you. That when that e- uh, email you sent me—I uh, don't know how long ago it was now—but it was their answer to crawling like that blew my mind. I never even thought of that. Uh, yes. It's like, yeah, you're right, man.
0: You, you had that discussion, and I had to email. Okay, so uh, I think you was asking. I think you said Mega Man Two was better than Mega Man Three, or so
1: forever. That has always been the The hill that I've died on, stating that Mega Man Two was a better game than Mega Man Three, until I decided to go back and rank them all. Mm-hmm. And when I played through Mega Man Three again, it really everything of even just if the games were on point, like if they were you know neck and neck the entire way through, I would believe that. But the fact that you can fight Mega Man Two bosses and Mega Man Three, which I remembered, but Going back now and experiencing that and playing by playing them in succession, like that is huge. Like, that is such a big improvement over the previous iteration. As a developer, it's like just slapping them, like, oh, remember these guys? Like, I do. I just played that game. Like, holy cow, this is amazing. Like, that is what does it. Like, that puts it over top for sure.
0: And I feel like Mega Man 2 has the strongest love design. In a sense, and Party the strongest, because you cannot deny, out of all the bosses in the whole Mega Man series, there is no one better than Metal Man.
1: Yep. Yeah the the bosses felt more concrete, like more real. I don't know, Top Man. Top Man. Yes,
0: and, and his I mean special, his special move really is like the deep, spin. Yeah. You still lose energy because you're gonna have to get hit. Like right. re- really
1: Yeah and but then again you know you've got like Gemini Man which was you know gay, Very that's that's a great idea For a character even Shadow Man It's like yes. okay he's kind of boring But the idea the, the stage is really cool And it's a fun name but then you've got like Needle Man which is That doesn't compare to like a Flash Man Or um, Metal Man or even Bubble Man At that point you know
0: Yes So, uh, Yeah Oh yeah check out his that check out that episode uh which which show was it uh
1: oh geez uh it's been so long since I did one it was uh
0: what was that
1: when all else fails that's what it was called yes yeah yes
0: uh, so uh yeah <laughs> so the, the love of being because you know I'm, I'm trying to get my friends to play Resident Evil 4 and I i literally just i'm like for a person who loves horror and sci-fi you can't play resident evil 4 like and i I understand my other friend he can't do the resident evil series because he's he doesn't like survival horror games but i'm Mm -hmm. just like you guys need to play Four if you are big into gears of war and i i wish uh killed Kill Switch was all. Kill Dot Switch. It was that game from Neko Bandai. Like that mm-hmm. was kind of the first mixing uh cover based shooting, but not like not like third person as in Gears of War, where it's over the shoulder, but it just had cover based shooting as it's game mechanic. Yeah. Um and I think Freedom Freedom Wars. Freedom Fighters. Freedom Fighters by EA. Like that one yeah. is a good one. That people should oh, yeah. check out that one needs to actually come back i think i could, could bring back
1: yeah it's a i think the reason that um because i maybe this is just me speculating but I, I i kind of remember somebody saying that there somebody was working on maybe doing a remake or a sequel to that but the story is nowadays hits mm-hmm. so close to home and the, the story of the game is the is russian's um, and nuclear subs attacking U.S. coastal line and taking over the United States. Like uh, I don't know, it seems kind of too close as, as a possibility nowadays than it did when the game came out back in what 2003 or
0: 2004.
1: Yeah. So, uh, too close to home, maybe. You know, just mm-hmm. make them aliens. Yeah,
0: I, I think that's probably why I wish the original version of Rainbow Six Siege, would it came out. Yeah. A Rainbow yep. Six, I should say. I don't think it was called Siege. I think it was just something else at that time. I'm like, I would love to see that version come out over, kind of over this version. But yeah, uh, we're going to get into the last part of it. Uh, why are in character? will continue to push the narrative. Why? Why they will always probably be maybe the best part of the game, and pretty much make make you why you want to get the game. Cause I don't think I sometimes I don't think story does it for people, and and reason why I reason why I say that is uh, on uh, on Nurse Gone Rogue we have a uh, we have a um, a plat uh, not platform we have a PlayStation show called Nurse Gone Platinum, and we did a spoiler cast about God of War, and everybody started talking about all of this narrative, and. I told them, I was just like, wait a second. Narrative has never been important to the series or probably to most of the players. So, yep. why are you guys speaking about it? Reason being, is like, there are past games that has been, that has told stronger narrative. And if you want a real narrative, just using, for example, um, about a game, there's Heavy Rain. There is the Last Guardian, and I'm just, I was just like sticking to him on, like, because we were talking about PlayStation. I'm like, it's games like those that have great narratives, but not sales, and people overlook them. If you want a narrative, like, you talk about a guy lose, getting his son kidnapped, and going to do these tests and trials. Don't not just calling into the, not just calling uh, the police, waiting by the phone or something like. Sure. You got to experience this narrative. If you, even if you want to go back, Snatcher. For those who like sci-fi stuff, if you thought big of, time, yeah, like, like that's Kojima's old work, and that's that's the kind of Kojima a lot of people don't get. You know, you got the you got the Metal Gear Kojima, but you go play Snatcher on the Sega CD if there was a way to play it. Um, you would be surprised at the narrative that is in that game,
1: yeah i think a lot of that is because it's the inner it's we can interact with it you know like yeah. we can interact with that character and that whereas in like if you're reading a book you're kind of just a fly on the wall or if you're watching a movie you're just you're viewing it as a third party whereas in with the game you know you can interact with it you can a lot of these games nowadays you can actually change the story as you play it uh and i think that's huge the other thing is too i feel like you need good story and you need good characters to to make that art because at the end as if you take those things out you're playing a sports game like you're just playing a a, a bunch of game mechanics that are set to rules and if mm-hmm. there's really nothing to go on top of it or to hold it then you might as well just play a sports game.
0: Yeah, I, and I think that's why something like Phoenix Wright does it for me to get me into a Witcher games because yeah. Phoenix Wright as a character It's hilarious, but, like, when you're going through the story, it's just like, he, like, the way they made him, you know, he has a sensibility about things, but he's still a goof. And when he starts putting things together, it's just like, ah, you feel smart because he recognized it. And you guys kind of, like, work together. And that tells the, like, that kind of tells the narrative. And you know, Phoenix Wright didn't get praised when it came out on the DS. Like, it people didn't catch on to Phoenix Wright until it was twenty dollars in a bargain. Right, exactly,
1: and, and again, price is a big deal too. You know, it's
0: right. <laughs>
1: some of these games that come out, and you're like, "Why is this game sixty dollars? This game should not be sixty dollars."
0: Right, and it, it's weird because now it, it, you know, it jumped off like um, Room Two One Two, Hotel uh, Hotel Dust, Room Two One Two. One of my favorite adventure games that I played. Because it was, you know, it was that pencil drawn thing. But it was just like, I love the character and the art that they used to tell this narrative. You know, it the jazzy, vocal, the jazzy music and stuff like that. And literally just figuring out what is going on with this game. And it's just like, th- this is something that no one has ever touched. And it
1: works. Yeah, it's... I mean, these style games, it's an untapped market. I mean, when it's... I said it before, like, you know, there's more graphic artists and there's more storytellers getting into gaming because making games is fairly easy now with, you know, tools like Unity and Mm -hmm. uh, Game Maker and stuff like that where you don't have to be a programmer with a four-year degree working at some, you know, tech institute. You can be the weekend programmer, you know, and still make an incredible game, even though you don't really know what you're doing, but you're able to rely on things that you do well in, which could be art or storytelling or, um, and that kind of thing. And that, if it's compelling enough, then that could, it could be enough to garner an audience and be popular.
0: Yeah. So everybody go make games if you can.
1: Yeah, make games, man. Make great. Games. Or don't make games. Do do whatever you want to do. It just you
0: know. I write about them podcasts. Me do what we Eric do. We we talk about it. Uh, we podcast about it. Uh, write about it. Uh, and we we enjoy uh, about them. Uh, but that is going to be the show. Uh, Eric, you want to go plug? Um, let me ask you a question, Uh, sure. Presby, uh What is what art appeals to you what do you what beautiful art do you find because i asked you the, uh, i asked you about the character the beauty of a character i did ask you what art style you love that appeals to you does you just get just like love scene
1: man i, I don't you know say um but yes i, I think yeah i think anything pixel based is probably really going to be the thing that because that's it's all nostalgia for me you know, like I, I remember playing at, you know, old Atari games and everything was just colored blocks and then mm-hmm. seeing, you know, Super Mario Brothers for the first time. And it's like, what is all of this? I know what these things are now. I That looks like a guy and that looks like a brick, you know. And as a kid, that was huge to me, uh, being able to make those distinctions. But I feel it's still at pixel art is still something I can I will always smile when I see
0: I think for me, uh, I I've always been. I think when I when cell shading started happening, I started getting more into that. You know, yeah. Uh, like a lot of my recommendations and stuff is cell shading When it comes to sprite base, because I love sprite, I'm literally going to like the 16 bit era, uh, of stuff like I like Streets of race two always stick it stays in the conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how I feel about the Streets of H4 yet. I'll have to play it. I hope they added I'm hoping, I hoping.
1: I'm hoping. i hoping they do because it's .EMU who did yes. Wonder Boy, the remake of Wonder Boy. And there's a mechanic in there where you can literally press a button on the controller and it'll go back to that sprite, 16-bit sprite. Uh, and even with the music, too, you can swap it really quickly back and forth without any game interruption i'm hoping they do something like that like i think the game looks okay yes again i need to play it but i think it would be neat if they were like oh if you hit the right shoulder button then it's just 16 bit you're like oh yeah this is how i will play this game Then
0: it needs to have a techno house dance soundtrack oh and yeah that that demo with the rock thing i'm like this doesn't fit doesn't
1: sound much. right yeah <laughs> so. oh yeah
0: but, uh, Eric, where can we find you at? Uh, go ahead and plug.
1: Sure. Uh, so my main website is ericmhunter.net. Um, that's where the majority of my stuff of videos have, I've done podcasts I've recorded, things I've written. Um, I've kind of taken a step back from all that stuff cause I'm working on some bigger projects, quote unquote. Yes. So <laughs> whenever I get finished with those, which one of them should be coming out probably in the next couple of weeks, um. That's where it'll be. Uh, And then I'm on Twitter, at Eric Hunter, uh, talking about pretty much anything nowadays. So, that's me.
0: Uh, You guys can find optional opinion, like I said, on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, other podcast apps. Uh, The Video video Games Volume 4 is exclusive to ngrradio.com. So you can read these blogs at uh, Um, ngrradio.com. There's three weeks worth of blogs. Um, The first week was the beauty of character The second week was the art of uh, The beauty of art And uh, this week the art of the character And I would like to thank uh, Trey and Jeremy from Nintendo Domain Jesse White um, And Mr. Eric M. Hunter For coming on the show And giving their perspectives And their opinions And what they find beautiful With art and character Um, And if you guys want to Uh hear more um, I do have an epilogue coming out with a special guest who's going to be covering everything and is going to uh, wrap up this whole project so thank you everybody I hope you did enjoy this project for this month um, I truly love doing it every year uh, next year I am volume 5 I am planning out uh, I think I I don't know what I'm going to do yet but there's going it's going to be something interesting I think everybody's going to love it uh but once again thank you eric thank you everybody have a great week have a great weekend and i will see you next time on optional opinion bye everybody